Good evening, morning, afternoon, or whatever applies to you. Welcome to yet another EuroLeague. And yes, the regular season is over. And you know what that means? Astralis will not play another game of League of Legends until January 2024. Wow. Uh, I'm joined by two people who probably most likely consider that to be a good thing. Uh, Mr. Peter Dunn, of course, the uh, head coach of Heretics. And Kira, who I believe once coined Astralis. I forget, was it constipation or diarrhea? I can't remember. One of the two. Uh, yes. Either way, uh, Peter's opponents in the next round will be whichever one they weren't. So, yeah, we'll get yes. to that, of course. We'll get to that, of course. But, as always, gentlemen, I do have to start with a would you rather. And going along sort of my esports theme, would you believe, on my recent would you rathers, I've got another one for you. Needs a tiny bit of framing, as, you know, I'm incapable of articulating something which is self-explanatory on the first telling. So it goes as follows. If we're taking money out of the equation, okay, uh, if you were to start your sort of proverbial esports journey from scratch, would you rather be considered the GOAT player in an esports game of your choice or the GOAT coach in an esports player of your choice. And when I say GOAT coach, I don't just mean like Coma, like you're the guy who's there when T1 won these tournaments and we can speculate as to how much he did or didn't do. I'm talking like winning world titles with like multiple completely different Western rosters, you know, like out of fucking like true unadulted like GOAT status. So what is it, Peter? Were you rather being a... <laughs> The ultimate version of yourself, perhaps, or are you completely reimagining? Just like ah, fuck it, I actually really wish I was a player. I mean, let, let's keep it realistic, you know. Like, uh, would I rather be Tabe or would I rather be Knight? Tabe, I think Tabe. Oh wait, you think? Oh Tabe? Oh wow, that's a call. Um, I like that though. Actually, would I rather be Tabe or Knight? Uh, yeah, I'd actually. I'd never even thought about that. Actually. Um, I think I would just be player. I would definitely be player. Yeah, player. With, I wouldn't even think player because, like, my I've my, my ego would not be able to handle just being like I would actually have to be able to like video recordings of me being like the goat. You know what I mean? Like the coach is like too back behind the stage for me, too behind the curtain. You know. See, here's the thing. And people right? don't like to see the and people don't like to see the strings. Around well, the rest, you know, people don't like it. Well, it's more, it's not that they don't want, they think they do want to see the strings, but most of the time when they do, they're unbelievably underwhelmed as to what's actually going on. That's usually what happens. But I have to say, I'm actually with Peter on this one. Originally, I was like, oh, definitely a player, like no doubt. Uh, and I'm just, you know, having, you know, wet dreams of highlight montages in my head or whatever. But actually, in esports specifically, like, to me, the concept of like a genuinely, legitimately, like really world class, uh, like undisputedly great coach is so rare and also hard to prove. I guess those things sort of come hand in hand. That if you actually did have the resume along the lines of what I lined out, like let's pretend League existed as it does up until this point, and then let's just say Peter, the next three years in a row, wins worlds with three different Western rosters and 15 different players. That is like. The most insane shit that's ever happened. Yeah, in but the thing ever, is, right? they, like, might have also, be... they might have not actually done anything. 
Yeah, but I'm that doesn't matter. I mean, I'm still skeptical. That's, that's no, you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be. You wouldn't be. Okay, so 12 years of League of Legends season history, and then one coach goes on three different teams three years in a row and wins worlds with all three different Western teams with 15 different like unique players. No, that guy's the goat. Like, no, I'd still be skeptical. I don't care. Like, I'm still I mean, skeptical. I don't know anything that they've done. I, I will say though that the player is probably about ten times richer than my coach. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> that was the first. That was the first thing I said though, right? Take money out of the equation, because of course, you know, to quote Frankie, we've all got to put bread on the table for our families. So you know, it's yeah. uh, it's 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 uh, yeah, that that has to be removed from the start. But no, I'm 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 repeating this one. If it's anything else, it's football, ninety percent traditional sports. I'm definitely taking goat stats as a player. But I think specifically in esports. That would just be so... You'd have such mystique as well. It would be insane. Like, you could just be one of those cunts who could just go into the room, throw out some, like, I don't know, Descartes quote, turn your heel and leave, and everyone's like, ooh, what did that mean? Like, that, that I don't know. I'm, I'm, nah, I'm, I'm definitely all in on the coaching angle. Anyway, let's move on to all things LEC. And we, of course, do have to start with Peter's team, Heretics. And I'm going to start in a really obvious place, which is, you know... It's spring was obviously not what anyone associated with Heretics would have wanted, particularly you guys didn't make the GSL stage. Um, you obviously then made some changes, but my question is very simple. Like, did you, what were your expectations going into summer? Like, obviously you guys ended up finishing top four, um, you know, above the previous split winners. Uh, were these similar to your actual expectations? What did you, what were you hoping for this split? Um, so I think that uh, spring uh, we kind of got fucked a little bit by COVID um, because we didn't get we didn't get to build in into the season and we started week one zero three right so um, it was a really really frustrating split I would say um, coming into summer obviously when you make two changes you're always a bit nervous you know like uh, um, but when we started screwing it became really obvious that we had we were going to we we were going to at least compete for top four like we didn't scrim every team because. Obviously, we, we couldn't scrim SK Astralis or SK, I can't remember, Vitality. We couldn't scrim those teams. But, like, so we were scrimming mainly teams that finished higher in the table. And we were doing really well in scrims against them. Uh, the one person that was really, really surprising actually coming in was Flackett. Like, I mean, I, I love Flackett. He's a great personality. Um, but the gap, like, I mean, he came in and he was just crushing every single scrim uh, with Mercer. And... Uh, that was a welcome surprise because obviously on G2 he played a lot of weak side uh, and his laning had never been his strongest point in the ERLs but the fact that he just came in and was able to do this with Mercer who had been who, who hadn't always looked insane I think he played pretty well but hadn't looked insane in the first two splits was very impressive and very surprising and also he took over a lot of the burden of shot calling and I think that one thing one weakness of our team in winter and spring is we didn't have clear direction and shot calling. Whereas if there's ever a question where if there's ever a hesitation or decision paralysis, Flacken was always being go now, do this. And he actually had food poisoning on uh, during the Excel game Excel day, and then it was still suffering in Tukoi, and you could see how much less decisive the team was in those two games. Uh, kind of we we rolled over a little bit against Excel and Koi without forcing. And that was because Flackett was off on those two days. So I think that shows how important he is to the team. 
Yeah, so for people who don't watch the ERLs at all um, and are wondering, like, oh, why bring Flackett back? Or, like, maybe when he was last seen in LEC, he didn't look, you know, quite as good as he did maybe when he first came in LEC, for example. He was actually kind of low-key popping off in the ERLs uh, in the spring split that you people didn't see him in the LEC. But as Peter said, he wasn't, like, some kind of season five forgiven lane bully. It was more an overall, like, very good, holistic AD carry performances, I think I would say. Um, so yeah, along similar lines, obviously you guys brought in VTO as well. And again, the fan mindset would be, oh, he looked horrible on XL. Like, why the hell would you bring this guy in? Like, perhaps, you know, Ruby didn't have the best of times and maybe him being replaced was on the cards. But why, why VTO? So I can say, and this can maybe explain Ruby a little bit as well. Uh, I think that teams normally have a culture within the team, right? You know, you normally have some teams which are uh, very conflict-driven and some teams which are very... Uh, it's not about being best friends. It's like conflict-averse, but more like discussion, conformity-driven, conformity-driven, right? And I would say with the group of players that we had, um, we have quite a conflict-driven team. They like each other. They love each other in outside of the game, but our reviews are really quite direct sometimes. <laughs> And I think that from what I'd heard about Excel, uh, there was a real, um, uh, there were some players on the team that were more conflict driven and some which were more like consensus, consensus is the word I'm looking, yeah. consensus driven. Um, and I would say Ruby is definitely didn't do well in that kind of environment. He really, really, really struggled. And, you know, I had a long, I had lot, long talks with Vincent before, before, before we thought about bringing him in. And it sounded like he would be basically personality-wise the perfect fit for this team because he is very direct. He's, you know, he's he's very self-assured. He's not like, you know, if if he thinks Jankos is making a mistake, he's not going to pull back because Jankos is more senior than him or like has one more titles. So he's going to tell him to his face and he's going to say like, why are you hinting me or something like this? And I think that is a good thing for this group of players to have. And I think that, yeah. I think this is a problem that actually I think both Heretics and Excel had from what I've heard behind the sites, behind the scenes. You know, some people really, really like conflict. Some people really, really like consensus. And, you know, it depends on your team culture. And like I said, he's, he's, he's a great fit on the uh, culture side. Yeah. So, yeah, for people who don't know, just give a very direct example of that. Patrick as an AD carry is incredibly quiet and sort of reserved and would be the other archetype and obviously VTO being on the same team well yeah from what Peter's saying you can imagine why that might not have been a marriage made in heaven uh Kira what did you think would ha I mean we saw our tier list right for transparency in case Peter didn't see I put heretics dead last and I would <laughs> say that that was primarily based on two things one is you have explained why VTO was a good fit I didn't really know any of that sort of uh, mm. context so i didn't have that to go on so i was basically going on what i'd seen from vto on excel purely as a player and how they had played and even though i wasn't wildly impressed with ruby i didn't see it as an upgrade so i just thought you know and also because of the quick turnarounds of the splits and so on i just thought eh, well i yeah they'd miss gsl this time they'll probably miss uh, last time sorry they'll probably miss it this time um which, I mean, for similar reasons, I had Excel lower than Excel ended up being as well, right? Uh, but yeah, Kira, what were your uh, thoughts on Heretics coming in? And, and were, were you surprised? Or have you seen anything that's like massively surprised you? For, for, for me, I can say that Flack's performance, particularly in week one, 
was above and beyond what I had expected, even though, and people would, you know, sort of intrinsically or instinctively rather think otherwise. I have always thought a Flact is a good AD carry. I just, of course, like to playfully push back against his fandom because I do find it funny and over the top. But yeah, Kira, what, what were your thoughts on this team coming in? Uh, well, yeah, I was surprised. Like, I had them, like, eighth. Uh, I think, like, not without the possibility of making it further, but, you know, uh, I just didn't think Vito's playstyle was actually going to fix much of the problems on uh, Her Team Heretics. Uh, I, I know, I think Yankos really came into, like, a burning form in the spring. Uh, obviously, everyone was raving, like, his praises. The probably the biggest surprise to me was actually just flat as well. Uh, I'm actually just really surprised. I don't know that much about the IRL level. I don't watch that much tier two in Europe, but from what I know from like LCK and LDL, like not everyone um can make the leap from like amateurish hours, not amateurish hours, but like tier two to tier one. It can sometimes be a very big leap. In EU, it basically just it's who can you not get to come up to <laughs> LEC and be good. Like you've got Oscar Inan, you've got Flat, you've got Noah, Zagenda. Um, yeah, Zagenda. You got the the guy that obviously came in for Adam wasn't the best, but like wasn't like the worst either. Like it was a perf- it, it was a top ten perf- like um it was a performance in the LEC. You know, like uh... I would say very quickly just for context, I believe that the best teams in the ERLs are closer to LEC level than like tier two in Korea and China being closer to yeah, tier I, one. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see that because um, more of the LCK and LDL is more structured rest, less around teams and more around individual players. Like I get that. I have watched enough to understand that as like a concept, but I'm just surprised like to level up, like less so with Flat, but then Flat came back with a very different like play style. Um, so much more aggressive, actually. Like yeah, I think much more you could have criticised his passiveness on G two at times, um, whereas this time he really seemed to sort of like, I wouldn't say limit testing, but was much more sort of. I mean, he had like if you took the nameplates off, there'd be a few fights where like fucking hell is that Kazi, you know, like just really min maxing damage, you know, in a way that I hadn't seen before. Like, cause like one of the like weirdest ones is like that's going to sound strange. I know he hasn't actually played that like much of it. But, like, I always see, uh, this, obviously, the game's, like, changed a fair whack. But, like, you see Heretex, like, ban, like, Zaya quite a lot. Um, and, but when I thought of, like, Flat as, like, best on actual ADCs in G2, it was, like, the Zaya pick in the playoff runs of uh, Spring, like, last year, where he won with, like, Caps and stuff. Obviously, he's got the iconic, like, Feather Pool play and stuff. Like, those were, like, the best periods of Flat. But those, that's not really what Flack's doing. He isn't playing these, like, hard-to-dive, like, backline ADCs. It's way more of his, like, we've obviously all seen, like, Lucian Dravens and stuff. Uh, I don't know, I've been really impressed. He's always had the Draven, of course. But Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. But... I mean, I, I think, because like, we've just finished 13-11, right? So I can go into this in a bit of detail. So firstly, I don't, I don't even as his coach, I don't claim any credit for, for this. Like, Flack just came in at the start of the season and was just playing like this. Like, I don't... I, you know, I coach him in the past as well. It's it's different. The only difference, I think, is on stage. Sometimes he's a bit hesitant to do it. And it's basically like, as a, his coach, it's me just saying, you will play Draven today and just go and carry the game. You will play Lucian today. Like, just do it. Like, you do it in scrims. Just do it on stage. Just keep doing it. Like, it's just play like you do. And, and that that is, I think, the only 
the only like big contribution like Samux is doing a bit of laning coaching with him but he came in with a really high level like i said and i think a lot of credit probably has to go to naru and jivus and academy for encouraging him to play that way um i think also the zaya bounds um it's because we thought uh zyra khan is beyond broken on 13 okay. 11. Yeah, okay. uh, and so I think we banned Zaya or Rakan in every game except against uh, G2 because we had to ban Driven Cotton, so we didn't have a spare. Um, but basically, that that's why there were the Zaya bans every game. It was a case of which do we think is which players got the Rakan player, which players got the Zaya player, which what ADC do you have that's better into Rakan slash Zaya? You pick exactly. pick one of poisons, but you don't give them both, which is fine. Like it was just that it was just like for me, like a little note that I had because like obviously. I, I can't remember, wait, wait, let me go check. Did Flax play at all this year? No, yeah, he did, in summer? Did he play at all? No, he did, you were one of the teams that didn't play at all, did you? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, he can play it, but it's just that, like, we're, no, not, not, willing, a, we're not willing to want to it, right? Like, that's, that's, yeah, but we think yeah, it's, it's not. It's like, a criticism of, like, what you call that he can't play it. It's just, like, yeah. you know, I'm surprised, I'm, you know, I'm seeing a, you're seeing a very different Flax. And obviously, the other one that was, like, not a crutch, but it was, like, the Seraphine Senna bot lane because. That they had during the G two era, so there, we are seeing a, a more carry ADC traditional focus uh, flat um, that obviously wasn't as much there in the G two days, but it was a little bit. But you're obviously seeing it every single game now, which is really interesting. Um, his partnership with like Mercer is like was probably the other thing that surprised me the most how in sync they are. Uh, I, for example, this is going to sound crazy. I don't even think Trimby and Noah are as in sync as Flat and uh, Mersa, but I think they're just like maybe like just better players or more lane focused, and as such, it like doesn't look as much. I actually see sometimes like Noah and Trimby being quite like out of like tune with each other. Like a great one you see it in is like the Lucian Nami game against like G two. So like that was another thing that surprised me, just to highlight how much how well they combo together in what seems like such a short period of time. So Trimby does have that tiny bit of Jekyll and Hyde in him where he it doesn't matter who he's playing with, he will just go off script a little bit and do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, got that twitchy, twitchy uh, switch in him. I'm the main character now, guys. Say something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've got to have a bit about that. I've, I've got, bit you were talking yeah. a little bit about um, scrims just there. I've actually got a question just out of curiosity. You don't need to talk about it. What are European scrims like, uh, Peter? Like, are teams trying, like, zany, like, strange, like, picks? Or are they very much similar to, like, people doing repetitions or, like, getting reps in of, like, on-stage uh, strategies? Because depends, depends on the team? The, it depends on the team. There are some teams. So I will say that LEC got a lot better this split than in the previous two splits. Um, okay. But uh the previous two splits are pretty much how they've always been but there's always like four or five teams that will give you really really good scrims like really good focus practice uh focus on not not even the number of games it's about the hours that matter right like i don't care if frankly you know i don't care if the scrim is over in five minutes if the game is obviously over just give us more games right like we just want the five to six hours you know um it's only a disaster if it ends in four hours but i think also it's important, how do I say, like you can go off script sometimes if a player is tilted and there's like certain players who like <laughs> noticeably <laughs> tilted scrims and you can, you can see who they are. I'm not going to name any names, but oh, like, no. I'm lucky that on this team, we don't have anyone that tilts, but there are certain players who I've, I've gone into a scrim block before and I said, yeah, of course, like don't gank this guy. <laughs> like for the first two games, please, we want good practice. 
that's actually really interesting that like that to actually improve scrim quality you're asking your player to not like crush the mental of the team that you're playing against that european europe is still at that stage of like scrim mentality is very surprising for me to hear one team one team i'm not gonna say which team no, but like anyone, anyone being like that peter is actually extremely surprising to me um <laughs> one little thing because the ones that like i notice a little bit uh because of like obviously the way the game has been played around this is probably one of the times we've not seen this probably since like season two where uh, ADCs were as much a percentage of a team's damage, um, like, as ever. Like, ADCs are so dominant in terms of how much they are responsible for in terms of damage. But Europe has, like, almost no priority over things like Orn at all. And if you go to, like, other regions, like, for example, LPL, they have, like, massive amounts of Orn priority. And there's also no priority, not that it's massive, around things like GP. Are these things that are, like, being tried in scrims, like, Peter, just out of curiosity? Or are they just completely, like, Europe just doesn't believe in these, like, concepts? I find that one, sorry, just to cut in very I find that one the more weird one, the GP one, because of the amount of uh, focus on bringing four people bot uh, in the early levels and so on, like setting up these dive opportunities because the game is so bot-centric. To me, like level six GP, like, I don't know, it's worth picking alone just for that, surely. I know why people don't like GP into Zeri, because you actually can't hit her with barrels. I understand that. Uh, Zeri's like, actually like, particularly like Yumi Zeri, is very hard to hit with barrels. But I've never understood quite under, like, I'm just having a look, like, are these things that are being like tried in scrims? Because these are like, are like, quite big holes to me of like where I can't reflect between what's going on in the game and people are picking certain things and what's like available to be picked. Oh, okay. So I would say Orn is just picked in scrims. I think teams just for some reason prefer Gragas on stage, but I think Orn, like I saw, I saw a lot of scrims with Orn, Sion and Gragas, but I think you're right. Like I think Sion and Gragas got a lot more play. I don't have a reason for that. I just... Uh, that sometimes just happens depending on the player in the draft. Yeah, exactly. By the way, people, sorry, I was just going to say, Peter, I think you'll be able to relate to this as well. Players are very influenced by what happens to other teams and other players on stage. So if you yes. arrive in the green room and you're watching the game and you plan to pick Orn and then you see someone doing really well on Gragas and that was your second pick, you might be like, oh no, this champion's just so broken, no? And then they want to pick it on set. Like that kind of thing happens all the time. So I think it's like, sometimes it's just the first mover, right? Like which one are they going to pick? And then if it goes well for them, the player will just flip their pick. At least in my experience, that happens a lot. I mean, I will say that... Uh... For for some people on the team, it's, it's like this. I would say Vincent is kind of the polar opposite. If he sees, like, somebody run it on the block, he's like, give me the block. I'm going to, like, show him how to pick this champion. Okay. You know? Oh, gee. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I, 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 I kind of like that about him. He's got a bit of fire in him. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I think that, that influences it. Um, I think GB we did see in Scrims, but not, like, as much as it's being played in other regions. I think in Europe, though, we're more like a Darius Olaf region and i blame and i blame um Adam. but it's it's not just adam that's playing darius and Olaf right in scrims but he's definitely like influencing people to play darius and Olaf. so yeah we see a lot of darius and Olaf. But, yeah why. on on that along those lines obviously i don't want you to talk about um sort of picks and stuff that you're specifically okay. planning okay. Going on to but just uh speaking that, a bit yeah. holistic <laughs> but yeah i mean say as much as you want but yeah speaking uh just holistically obviously we're going on to uh 13 13 for um the next round of games like 
do you think that this changes anything like fundamentally about the game um or do you think this you know certain champs got a little bit of a nerf a little bit of a... i mean looking through the patch notes myself, to be honest i didn't think it looked like that transformative like most of the changes seem fairly small at least on the champion side like how, how do you see it do you think do you, do you think here's a better way of phrasing it so you don't give too much away do you think you will realistically see any major shifts between team strength because of this patch move or do you think it's really not that big a deal Okay, um, so bear in mind we're on second off day right now, so we start scrims again tomorrow. Um, I don't think a single LEC team took one off day, so everyone's taking two off days and then they're going to go in. The, it looks like a different support meta. Um, so that will have a knock-on impact. I don't know yet. Obviously, maybe different range supports. Maybe Lulu is just like obviously Yumi's not in the game anymore, right? Like uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Uh, um, but maybe just Lulu just steps up, and then then you still have a similar. You still have like range supports being slightly favored. But if if it changes to a range a melee support meta, that will influence everything. So it really depends on the knock-on impact for bot lane. Um, I don't know the answer yet, and uh, you know I, I won't leak too much. But I think that there are um, two champions which are enabled uh, right now that weren't enabled on thirteen eleven, which are Rel and Ivan. And we'll have to see how how much the, those are impacted. I would say Ivan had a couple of games, but it didn't see that many that many games. Um, uh, Rel, Rel, obviously in in LCS that is on thirteen twelve is like picked every game. So. It may, it may happen. Yeah, I've seen a few. I've been watching some sort of tier three, tier four league where they've been playing on the the most recent patch, and people have been putting Ivan fucking. I've seen it support mid jungle. It's crazy. I suspect that has to be based on something at least, right? That is strong, but we don't know what the fuck we're doing. What do you think, Kira? What do you think this patch changes, if anything? I don't know. It's a domino effect. Mobas are always domino effects when it comes to like. Like, changes to, like, ADC end up changing, like, top laners and stuff, or, like, you end up having, like, certain mids. Like, Europe, like, abandoned Annie and was like, ah, fuck the 14-year-old girl. We're going to go for the 4-million-year-old birdman in mid. Like, this is it. Like, Azir is the man. We don't believe... People aren't flanking in this region. People aren't aiming for backline. We're just going to Azir everybody. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm just like, yep, that's it. Europe sounds back to playing Azir again. I feel like it's the most cyclic... I it is like um some sort of like circus carousel, 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 carousel. Carousel, thank you. Um, it's like last year it was like Jinxophilos. Then it's like, oh, how do you beat like Jinxophilos? It's like going to like outrange them. It's like, oh, how do you outrange them? It's like you kill them instantly with like Annie. And now, now we're back to like, oh, we're using like Azir again to like kill the front line. And to be fair, just, Azir I'm is like, fucking turbo broken. Like, like, it's like the same cycle. And then the jung apart from the fact that like now we have Maokai, it's like the junglers, it's like Sejuani again. <laughs> like, we've got um. Wukong still around. It's it's so so strange to me that like the same like uh like solutions and then uh sorry the same, the same problem solution it, cycle it, keeps it, happening. Yeah, yeah, it keeps on happening with like little like changes. Not that it's like perfectly reflected, but I feel like I was literally watching this uh, like similar concept to this happening at Worlds. And then again, it was happening in like winter, you know, with like the poke virus and stuff like that. And then we went until like spring, and it was times for like jinx, philios all over again. I I I just feel like it's so like cyclical. 
But yeah, when you move the support meta around, it tends to have like a big effect of the game. I'm not too sure. I would never attempt to be predictive like types of things because actually like seeing the numbers and like playing volumes of games tends to actually reflect the true implications um of these things uh more than anything else i think the support meta for a start will definitely have a knock-on effect on uh, effect on mid I what mean, is the patch that they're playing the, uh, on again here 13 13 we've seen a lot of like the double ad's right and obviously that's very dependent on what the other positions do you can't just do that uh willy-nilly as they say but uh, let's let's um before we talk about um the upcoming games which obviously will be played on 1313 i just wanted to quickly ask you inevitably uh about the pause that happened this past week peter uh yep. And the re the main reason actually I want to ask is not to meme BTO because I mean for transparency when I was watching it uh, we were all sort of in a channel and there were some pro players there who all immediately were like that's not a bug and then uh, obviously recreate then immediately as they do go into practice tool and recreate it like see see look at this frame look at this frame. I'm like, okay yeah sure I believe you whatever uh, so yeah my question is more from the angle of people probably want to know like what is actually the process that happens what information do you get and is it your decision to chrono break because one other thing is and by the way i'm not sure of this at all because this was like a snap thing in my head where i was like is it even good for them to chrono break like i feel like caps like maybe gets in here i guess but then you obviously killed their uh adc yeah. i think like so yeah just talk me through that a bit like what actually happened from your perspective okay so we thought it was a bug um i don't know whether vincent just didn't know the interaction or whether it was a uh like he, he thought that he hadn't clicked or something like this but firstly it's not a bug right like it's it's it wasn't a bug oh sorry uh, very quickly just before we go on just to fully paint the context so also on the stream because that's what most people will have seen it actually looks slightly different than it does in his pro view because they showed his yeah. pro view afterwards so in his pro view it looks like he's pretty much fully facing away, but he's not. He's like ever so slightly yeah. turned towards her. On stream, it looks like he's horizontal to her, so yeah. like should definitely be stunned. But yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, so so it's uh, so he thought it was a bug. Um, we are sitting backstage. We have pro. We have like not pro view of the game, but we're in client watching. The coaches have in client replay, so obviously we have hidden we have hidden information because we can see full map so we're not allowed to have a say in whether uh, that, okay. that should be great right so uh we thought it was a bug uh well it it wasn't a bug but you know we legitimately thought it was a bug uh i wish the chrono break hadn't happened um i can see how if you looked at vincent's pro view you could call it a bug even though my initial thought was this is not a bug um the other thing that was frustrating is that we can't uh, talk to our players uh, during the pause. Um, and the thing is that I'm listening to the uh, to our voice comms, and we're not coming up with like the best plan. So you know, you, I know exactly what's going to happen after the pause, and I'm hearing it. Oh for no! That's, <laughs> that's, that's cruel torture. That's awful. It was a torture. So I, I made I made a tweet afterwards, which I I probably was not wise because it looked like I was flaming the situation. But actually, I was just frustrated because I'd heard I'd heard what our plan was. I'd heard what uh, I I didn't think it was a bug, uh, and I thought our game situation was really really good because yeah. we were about to get death cap on uh, our Kaiser, and they have one window with TP advantage, 
and that is the only window they have TP advantage because after that they won't have TP advantage anymore because he uses TP to go bot. So if they don't win the game on that, they're not going to be able to close the game uh, because we're just going to match TPs and we're just not going to commit TPs anymore, right? Just to stop them split pushing. So when AP Kaiser gets four items, like the game is just unplayable. So so that that's that's why it was frustrating. They had to win on that play, uh, and we kind of fluffed it. Um, but you know, on on the one hand, that is a bad thing. On the other hand, uh, we had one game against Fnatic where Yankos got hard targeted by enemy jungler. Um, you know, they they just went into the jungle. Evie is the one who ended up with the awful scoreline, but like Yankos was forced out early and we didn't defend him properly as a team. And Yike tried the same thing. Uh, you know, we reviewed that game and we like the, the main consensus after the game as a team is not what the public is saying, which is Evie's inting. It's like, we need to defend Yankos better on first clear so this doesn't happen. And as soon as Jike stepped into our jungle, like it happened two or three times, immediately everyone collapses, right? Because it's the thought of what happened in the Fnatic game the previous day. So as a coach, I'm happy with that. Uh, obviously, the game, at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't make a difference for us. It make a difference if we play a best of five against XL, right? Um, uh, but that's the only thing it will make a difference for, because both us and XL need to come third anyway, so it won't make a difference otherwise. Um, so... So yeah. So I something up just about this interaction. So yeah. the, the the bug was that Vio is facing the wrong way and gets Cassio Pialti. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is what he claimed, right? Now if you watch his POV, right, everyone was like freaking their minds out because his cursor is like red and he's like turning to look at the Cassiopeia. Now League of Legends doesn't have a turn rate, but there is actually an animation turn. But if you yeah. click behind you, your character, even if they haven't already turned, is actually looking that direction. And so yeah. Cassiopeia ult will hit you, even if the turn hasn't happened. That's correct. It's correct, but I mean, the way, like, what I would also say, though, is it's not, like, if you are even, like, 20% sure there's a bug, you should pause yeah. in that situation. No, 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 that, but that, that, so that's, that's not criticism. And so I actually think it was a bug, because this is the bad no, actor no, I've got no, to. No, it's no, 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 but see... Oh, sorry, go on, go on. Okay, the Wendy do a chrono breaks, right? Yeah. Yep. When, they do a chrono, when they do a chrono break, they input the key presses of all the players to get to the game stage. That's how they chrono break. Uh, yes? I'm not sure. Well, I think they, like check, they, they the, check the inputs to see if it's a bug. Yeah, I, I don't think they re I don't think they rewind. I'm not sure if they rewind the inputs or not. I mean, that would make sense, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, mechanics. and that gets you to the same game plays. Like, right, they literally okay. put, make you do all the same game like presses, right, right, right. and that's how they chrono break. I don't know how that. Someone just said that to me, right? But doesn't that tell you that, like, if you, like, to tell you if it's a bug or not, because it tells you if VTO clicked or not? But we know he clicked. No, I get that, but as a referee, it definitively tells you that it's not a bug. Like, that's the way to check sure, it. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, this is this was the thing I didn't understand, which is is that um, because they can see the inputs, again, to the best of my knowledge, like, maybe there's, maybe I don't fully understand the process, but to the best of my knowledge, what they do with something like that is they literally check the inputs. And they should be, in theory, be able to see if he clicked or not. I think the problem is, and I'm only guessing here, is that on VTO's POV, it so much looks like he's not looking near the ult. Like, he's almost fully turned the other way, that in their head, they just probably thought, oh, that shouldn't happen. Whereas if they'd actually seen that he had literally clicked on Casio, he just hadn't fully animated and turned yet then they would have known it wasn't a bug. Maybe they had that information and the just problem is, made a bad call, three, I don't know. There's been three chrono break decisions this, like recently 
and all of them counteract and countermand the implications of all uh, three decisions. You had the SK one with Silas, where he goes over the wall, okay? Uh, he hooks onto the minion that dies, and because there's no space for his character model to appear, he goes over the wall. And they chrono-break that, and they went back in the game, and they decided that's not to happen. Now, that has been an interaction in League of Legends, I'm not joking, since the game has existed. That has always happened. You literally can see it happen with Ryzalt when he, like, ults into Barons. It'll, like, his little circle will appear, and then he'll, like, be on the other side of the wall, right? And they chronobrate that, even though, like, that is lit literally the only thing that can happen in that situation ever in League of Legends. Like, so they hanged that that was, like, a bug. And when they, like, chronobraked it, they went back. Then you have, like, the G2 one, where, like, a bug happened, and they reset the fight against Fnatic. But the bug hadn't happened for anyone. It only happened on a specific player's screen, and it was like a visual bug. You know what I mean? Like right. an, an ability didn't not work as intended. It was just the skill shot came from a different direction. And then VEO's bug was it looked different on his screen, right? But it was actually the intended interaction. But so we have came to three separate conclusions across three bugs, but some of them weren't bugs. But we were also just rewinding anyway. Like I actually don't like I'm actually at the point where I would actually want to see the riot like rule book and the decision but rule book thing from like referees for what is actually like remakeable or what they can code because that's so confused now. So so in defense of the referees, right? Like the it's a difference of, of philosophy, right? So here maybe they there's a percentage chance that you're not sure that it's about, right? So if you are like and the threshold will be different in different regions, right? So maybe LEC wants to offer the chrono break unless they are like 80 percent hypothetical. Oh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, very, very sure that it's not a bug. Unless they're like 80 or 90 percent sure that, like, even if they think this is not a bug, they may still offer the chrono break because they want. Like, the worst thing that can happen is you lose the game because because of a bug, and you, you nobody wants that, right? So, so that's what I think. That's what I think lead, led to the decision. Um, obviously, like. You know, I'm. It, yeah, that, I mean, that's what I would say. I say, I say the the one where the skill shot looks like it's coming from a different angle. I think is cut and dry. Like you always have to chrono break that. Um, the chrono break too yeah. was the point. They never chrono break to the point the skill shot happened. They reset sure. an entire point of the game, which is completely anathema to like the whole of idea course. of chrono break because you can literally uh, chrono break up to an input. Is my point. Yeah, but that yeah. I mean that in itself is its own host yeah. of issues, right? Like everyone has to be hovering over like oh my god, <laughs> yeah. like it's so no, because that literally happened in Peter's instance. Peter's team instantly got on top of G two and insta killed. Uh, Han Sama because they fucked up and G2 didn't do the team fight like that well. When they chrono and they redone the team fight, G2 played it better and they lost. The sure, I'm, ju I'm just saying, like, hypothetically, you can't like make it frame perfect all the time. Like, it's only natural that you would take it to well, a natural restart point, right? You can't, it can't be everyone's ult, like, you can't freeze it no, during no, everyone's I, ult animating and then be like, go, like, it would be. Which which was not what, which is not like G two and uh, G two and Mad Lions were in two separate packs. Uh, the, the players were actually closer together in terms of engagement and being in a fight in Peter Dunn's case. Yeah, but, but what like, I would say, what I would say for our case is we don't have to take that Chrono break, right? Like, let, let's be clear, right? Yeah, I mean, we're offered the Chrono break, we don't have to take the Chrono break. Uh, but I think that, I think that, 
we wanted just we weren't 100 percent sure right we, we didn't know exactly what had happened we took the phone break right obviously like i i think we would have won the game if we didn't take the phone break but that's obviously i'm going to say that as the coach right because obviously we lost like easy easy to say this right um, as an impartial i will say that i also thought it was bad that heretics took the chrono break and if if vto doesn't click there obviously that you know it's neither here nor there but if he doesn't he kills caps and then yeah. you, the game just won, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, but again, uh, you know, it's a, it's a split-second decision. And I will say that it actually benefits us a bit because uh, we didn't really have a good plan for what we were going to do in that 30 minutes of downtime. And now we know that this is something we need to discuss going into place. Right? Oh, um, feel the weakness. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it comes to peak. 22 in the butchered handbook is like every fallen tree is like <laughs> <laughs> honestly it's just not something you ever think about as a coach because but i will say that having heard what i heard we will talk about what to talk about right next week um so so to me that that's a beneficial thing obviously i'd have liked to beat g2 just for flacken and yankos sake um but uh but you know we we've we've learned something that was a weakness we didn't even think about so that's a good thing to learn fair enough Right, now let's move on to who you will be playing next week, of course. Oh, sorry, two weeks from now, I suppose. Two game weeks from now, which is BDS, which is a interesting team um, because obviously they made finals and were two nil up in finals last split, then started very badly, um, looking a little bit more like their their selves at the moment. Uh, I mean, what, what do you think of uh, BDS, Peter? And I guess I'll ask it from this aspect because, again, I don't want you to say too much um sort of vis-a-vis -vis your matchup but uh i think one of the big boons for bds was of course how well the rookies were playing obviously shio um of course crowny's not a rookie but it was his first time back in lec for a long time obviously adam had been away from lec and it seemed like and nuke obviously who had not had a very good uh previous year was playing at a pretty decent level um what what is what is your takeaway from watching them this split? Do you think they were hurt by the meta? Do you think that they just all hit a purple patch? Like, do you... I mean, what do you think about this team? Do you think they're a, a group of legitimately really good players who are having a bit of a form roller coaster? How do you view this team? I think they were a bit underestimated last split, uh, especially Adam. Like, I think that people really didn't respect Adam uh much and he kind of like showed them that you should respect him and basically mad lions banned darius olaf in every game in the final uh which is you know fair, fair, fair enough to them you know respect uh to him but like the um what i would say about them is that i think oh as much as i love Illyria and yankos over the whole split i think she should have been first team jungle I think Elio was really good in the playoffs, right? But over the body of the entire split, I think Shio had like an, an amazing uh, split last split, and him and the way him and Labrov set up Crowny was very impressive. And I think the meta has just he's just struggled to do it in the current meta, right? And you know, I think if the, when the meta changes to melees again, I think that will be a boon boon for BDS. Um, and obviously, Adam is somebody who forces you to adjust how you are thinking about the game. Um, you know, he's willing to gank level one on Renekton when it's up. I mean, it's it's very stressful to play against Adam, right? Like, ganking mid-level one is not good, obviously. But, like, the fact he's willing to do it, like, is very annoying to prep. Uh, so that's what I would say about BDS. Um, 
yeah. So so I think I think they'll be better in playoffs than they've shown in regular season. Um, but uh, you know, if if BDS want to go to Worlds, uh, it will be on Shio, uh, simply because we you know what you're getting from Adam, you know what you're getting from Crowney, you know what you're getting from Lavrov, and you kind of know what you're getting from Luke, right? Like Shio is the one who has to. He's kind of the X factor. He's not. I'm not saying that he is. He's their best player. I'm saying that he is the one who has to make. He's the one who has to win the series, right? And we'll see. You know, Yanko's normally very good at shutting down enemy junglers, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but. Um, but, you know, they, they have good individual players. And, I mean, I think nobody's underestimating them anymore. Do you think that this was, in a way, uh, an unfortunate draw for you? Because, obviously, BDS started very slow. Then Adam got sick and missed a game. And then, obviously, they did enough to, like, get into GSL. But normally, or at least based off last split, people would probably have expected them to finish a bit higher. Therefore, probably you guys would have avoided each other. Do you feel, do you consider this to be like a really rough opening round or do you feel like you don't really care who you play? So I wish Fnatic was in our group. Uh, I want basically our fate to be in our own hands, completely in our own hands, right? Um, so the teams that we need to knock down to get lower points are BDS and Goy, right? Um, and Fnatic as well, right? So, so it would be very scary if we were in the other group relying on results going our way. So, so in a sense, this is good. Um, but obviously, you know, we have to, let's make no mistake. Problems with like, things that he was like good at before, like understanding engages, um, like uh, he, he looks like he had engaging anxiety, like this sort of thing, that he didn't want to like go in and like throw the team or like, um, like uh, BDS, for example, um, the person who's actually been like the most diligent in terms of like setups for like flanks are like Adam and Labrov. Now Adam's under like standable, um, like one of the solo laners. But for uh, for example, it's like Labrov that's like bailing them out with like warding at like last second to like reveal staff, and she was then the dedicated engager, obviously for a variety of regions, changes in support pool, but then he's not pulling the trigger and objectives are just slipping through their fingers. And then I think Crowney's just playing worse. Like, yeah, that's uh, not been talked about that much, really, has it? Like, everyone so, p- picks out Shio and, like, oh, what a drop-off. But actually, Crowney, I mean, he, he won MVP not, last split, right? Did he win MVP last split, Crowney? I don't know if he handed it out. I don't know if he... I don't, I don't know if he won, but he, he should have anyway. Yeah, he was the best player. Yeah, he, so. was, he was very, very, very good last year. He was he, he was like one of the players that I highlighted in like the world, actually, that had great like summoner economy, which is like one of the most like important like things on like an ADC. He had great positioning. He like, had really good like uh, damage foresight of like when to like commit his health bar for like the last instances of damage. I actually think like a lot of those times for crownies haven't been good. Yeah, they've instead of being playing from the front foot, they're playing from the back foot. It's a lot harder. But he there was like that jinx game where he wasn't basically taking enough risks. He attempted to win the game. He like coasted like too much. Like his like range understanding seems like was like worse. Panic using like summoners was like worse. Uh, I don't know if it's cause he's got less dedicated peel. Who knows? There's a variety of reasons. Sometimes players just play worse. I don't know. I'm just telling you what I see. Uh, BDS has got way more question marks. I actually feel like Hertex, I, I, I understand what I'm going to get with Hertex yeah. way more than what I think. So, like, basically, the thing is, it's like, that's how I frame it. If people both came in how they played during the regular season, I think Hertex will win. 
But I think BDS can be a better team than like Hertex if they like everything they go back to the like original form of like of like players and like what they were doing previously. Not exactly, but like previously. But I actually don't think they will do that. I actually hate betting on people just randomly getting good. So I actually now that I think about it, I'm somehow heretics favoured. You know what? Uh, you know what's actually funny? happened. I'm actually heretics favoured. You know what's funny? I think that if from the public perception. If heretics hadn't chrono breaks, everyone would say they're favorites. Like legit, I think that's like because I think they go to. I don't even care about the chrono. No, 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 no. That's no because I'm saying they then win that game in my opinion, and then it's like when last seen in action, heretics beat G2. They then finish third outright because they have six wins, right? And BDS is the team that scrapes in. I think that I do do actually think that one chrono break, just narrative wise, changes how a lot of you people view the series. I'm not saying in reality it makes any difference because it doesn't, right? But um, yeah, no, I, I mean I I do consider this a pick 'em. Obviously, a lazy way I would put it is like as I said, Heretics level seems more reliable to me. But obviously, if someone says I'm going to get Apex BDS from last split, and suddenly it all clicks again, and Crownie doesn't even need to be Apex though. That's well, the thing. Well, either way, you know, just to make it simple though, like if Crownie yeah. is playing MVP level, if Shio is the best jungler again, it's like, well, yeah, shit. Okay, great. Yeah, I guess BDS are favourites. But yeah, I think you would have to. I think the fair. I think when you're doing like a tight, when it's a closed series, like the fair thing to do is to pick on form, right? Because that's the most yeah. grounded in reality. So I think Heretics would probably be my nod at this point. But also, I'm sure everyone's going to tell me their fucking scrim results over the next two weeks. One, so one I'll get some more context on picks as well. One thing I would say is like Adam versus Evi is going to be forget feast and famine. It's going to be the four horsemen of the apocalypse <laughs> in the top lane, like. <laughs> going to be you're gonna have all four horsemen present I mean, <laughs> like it's gonna be something else uh, that will be one of the most interesting things to watch how you prep for that um pr because you're either the fucking wizard of oz and you do come out from behind the curtain and show us yeah, but that's a lot more fit that's a lot more 50 50 than you might think though because no. in evie <laughs> and cassante's just been nerfed again right i think so you've got like the ultimate bait just dangling from the tower in the top lane but obviously heretics know that right so it's like it's one of these things where you know you're not locked in here with me i'm locked in here with you adam, kind of thing adam was doing some, bro adam was doing some freaky shit like see that bds should not have won that um vet game by the way like adam was doing some nutty stuff on set like that was some of that was absolutely disgusting like it was really really impressive like, that wasn't a prep had... pick as well, apparently. That was completely random and he hadn't played any scrims on it or something. So yeah, I don't know. Like... Adam's definitely a wild card, but I do I do think like, as I said, when you have something it, I think it would be a mistake for a team to go into that series with the sole focus of like, haha, how can we abuse Eevee? Because it's not like the other oh. team is gonna be. It doesn't take a lot that, to yeah. activate Adam as like, does it deal physical damage? Is it melee? Does it does it something? But no, but that's the but that's the thing though, with Adam, he's so cut <laughs> he, but he's so willing to just take that take that fight solo anyway. You see it all the time this guy goes in. It doesn't always work, but why would you put resources top when Adam's probably just Adam and his ego is two V one already, you know? Like you don't need to send all the boys up there. But uh yeah. Good luck, Peter. I mean, all I'm going to say, Rich, is look forward to every team telling you they have a 70% swim rate. Well, um, yeah, true. Uh, I mean, what I will say is, look, first, the reason why I think most teams think they had a 70% win rate is 
we would do our scrims were really good for the first two and a half weeks because we did three and a half week bootcamp. And then going last week into LEC, we had a 218 win rate oh. or 317. That's like Europe but, world's um, win rate. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that obviously a lot of those scrims were testing. We had one one day versus i'm not going to say which lec team it was but we just had one day where we decided okay we're going to leave nico up every single game and see what happens uh pizza just puts a big green tick next to nico on the broken <laughs> column after yeah. five <laughs> games in a row of that yeah. popping up as a minion in the lane yeah. But I will say, what I will say to you is, it was one of our players who who thought that basically Nico wasn't that strong uh, and that we could play around it. And all of the team were like, okay, we're going to play seriously every single game. And we were 0-5 against Nico. Nico basically solo won four of the five games. And they were like, sixth game, we go Nico again. And like, in not in a passive-aggressive way, right? They were just willing to go 0-6 against Nico that day just to like, and actually try hard and see what we could do. Um, and for me, that is something which is rare in teams. That's admirable. Um, That's admirable. What, 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 <laughs> for, what, what character? What fortitude? Shame. <laughs> shame about those six games, though. Shame. Yeah. So shame. that was definitive. Like, we cannot debate. But I, I would say that that I is. I know that your the, player's mental fortitude. We wasted I mean, six yeah, games I mean, on Nico. <laughs> I mean, obviously, yeah, we've all heard about the 08 G2 day, uh, where we were just willing to play a ninth game. And then. Um, we ran out of time, but but the last uh, last bit. But basically, what I would say is that uh, you know uh, teams, different teams play for different things, and some teams prioritize ERL teams, right? Like I know that there are certain teams in the league, so it is possible for everyone except one team to have a sixty to seventy percent win rate. It also depends on what body of work you're using, right? Like, because in that last week, you know, you can have a seventy percent win rate if, if it's in one week, or you know, it's over three weeks, right? So, but teams will always say, "Oh, we have seventy percent win rate," because that's just how it is. Uh, well, I will yes. say I usually up, you know, ask a follow up question like, "Who did you scrim?" You know, not fucking. Oh right, Illuminar again, was it? Yeah, brilliant. Add two teams scrim result they scrim win rates against each other and it's always a number greater than a hundred. Unless it's Samsung yeah. right, unless it's Samsung White at Worlds, no one beat them in scrims. Every yeah. single person's story is how they never won any scrims against that team. Like if in other in other circumstances it's like, oh what was your win rate against this team? Sixty, you? Oh about sixty percent is that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I mean, yeah, I mean like yeah. Uh... I will say though that the one week we had really bad scrims, we did really well on stage. So maybe maybe we should run it down on scrims a bit more. Um, but but uh, for BDS, yeah, I'm interested. Like I will say, one thing about BDS is that they're always very well prepped, right? Their level ones are always smart. They always do crazy things. So uh, we just they have love to raptors a lot. We have to keep. They love, they love, they love a level one at raptors, man. They love they have we have to keep focus. I mean, the last time we played BDS, we went for level one. They took our Raptors, and if Shia doesn't invade Yakos and die, uh, that game is really, really hard for us. So, so, so yeah. So that's all I would say. You know, we're we'll be prepped, but also we have like we have a really good chance where if we win back to back best of threes uh, on Sunday and Monday, we will basically be in championship, right? So uh, that is. You know, we're not just prepping for one team, right? Um, and we're not just prepping for, like, obviously we, G2 are favoured into Koi, but we're not, we're not 
we, we will have plans against Koi as well, right? It's not, we're not just prepping for one. I find, I always find that story so weird about when Rogue won LEC last summer and the G2 camp just claimed that they did zero preparation for Rogue because they were so sure Fnatic was going to beat them. And I'm like, you're just telling me you're bad at your job. Like, what is the point of this interaction? Do you think this is like some good excuse? I don't know, so strange. But uh, anyway, yeah, let's uh, move on to, to me, what is the only other interesting uh, matchup? Because I do believe G2 and Fnatic personally will get business done and i'm not a coach so i don't have to prep for the yeah. uh, eventuality that they won't uh so let's talk a bit about xl versus mad because i think it's a really interesting one because if you actually put their splits next to each other they're basically polar opposites xl started disastrously and then went on a run mad started really well and then Otto said this on stage, kind of like under the radar, just lost like five games back to back to back to back and no one really noticed or talked about it. So these are two teams very much in uh, different form coming into it. But even so, I still feel like a lot of people would pick Mad probably. But Peter, how do you, how do you see this one? I think this is a really interesting series. So I have no behind the scenes info just to be 100% clear on this. But one thing I would say is Max biggest strength as a coach is his managing of intensity over the course of a split, right? He's he's able to help to make sure his his players are rested. He's able to increase intensity at the 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 main moment. And let, let's be honest, this is not something that just happened in this split, right? Like it happened it happened in every split. You know, they did just enough to make top eight, preserve their self, you know, did some did some interesting picks, you know, Kazi playing Draven. Chasey playing Gragas, you know, if, if it's game five in a best of five in the LEC finals, will these picks happen? Probably not, right? But, uh, you know, they they tried a lot of things. I'm certain they will be stronger going into the best of, uh, into the best of uh, threes. But also remember the switch to melee sports. If that is the meta shift, again, I don't know what it is, is massive for him. Like he's not going to be on Nami. He's not going to be on like Yubi Milio. He's going to be like, European Ming. Once you what? get the melee European Ming, once you get the melee support sign, that's engaged city, baby. Every day. Engaging I mean, all day, every day. The team, that, that team just changes how good they are. They go from being like eighth to first so <laughs> one player can actually hit hooks. I mean I think I think it's enough of a pattern, right? Like Matt have shown it back to back splits, right? Like that the, this is what they do. Um they I mean I don't want to say they don't care, right? Because that's a very loaded word, you know, terminology when you're talking about Mad Lions. But they they know how to manage their workload so that they peak at the right time. That's the kind of way of saying it, right? And that's why I think Mad will be good. It's really good for us. Like, if Mad come eighth in that group, it's a horrible for us. So I hope Mad comes up for right? That's all I can say. Preferably over Fnatic, but, you know, I'll take, I'll take, uh, I'll take them coming second to Fnatic. Yeah, I but think not- that... The thing for me with Mad, which um, just to sort of play a little bit of devil's advocate where I'd be slightly concerned is that, I mean, I think El Yoyo's looked horrible recently, but I trust, I'm pretty, I, I trust El Yoyo. I don't think he's the kind of jungler to, to actually just get bad at the game, right? But I do think that the form of Chasey and, I mean, the solo laners, right? I just, I, that has not been good. I think Niski's been Niski's kind of not been good all for over all. the place. And for, it, for a while. But in like a very weird way as well. Like usually with Niski, it's like I always describe him as the gatekeeper mid laner, where it's like if you're a mid laner in EU and you're better than Niski, you're probably a really good player. But if you're not as good as Niski, then you're probably not ready to be on a team that wins titles and so on. But he, he kind of represents to me like, like that very 
solid base for a team, even if he's unspectacular, right? But I feel like recently he's just been erratic and all over the shop. And then Chasey, it's like he just, I don't know, it's like sometimes win trading level of bad in certain games, right? So I don't know how I can reconcile that. I don't trust, uh, especially Chasey, I don't trust him necessarily to just be really solid again. Like, I, I, I don't especially because of the language barrier. I do think that makes a difference. I think when you have a coach like Mac or whoever who is really good at, um, as Peter says, like managing the intensity, like keeping everyone calm, like on the same page, I think that that impact is by definition lessened when you've got someone who is more isolated uh, because of, of language, culture, all the rest of it. Like, I don't think Chasey's going to flip a switch and suddenly be good in uh, playoffs. I don't. So I think that, um, yeah, I think in top side at the very least, they can have a big disadvantage for sure. Um, and then, yeah, like Abadagi luckily has not looked very good for me, even in XL's wins. Obviously, he's had some moments. Everyone talks about like the Azir play or whatever. Like, yeah, it was a good play. But this guy has been a disaster in lane. Like he has not been good at all. Um, he moves a lot. Yeah, he does, yeah, that's true. He, he is he is very he has a willing really to, nice, to, he moves, to. He moves of more than any Azir player. He is willing to move to protect like jungle and like river advantage and like wards and stuff. It's a bit of um, oh, who's the guy that used to be the Astralis mid laner? Who's good at it? Um, they are, yeah, yeah. they are. I can say nothing good about they are apart from the fact that he was moved to protect Xerxes camps. So that was it. That was that was Dior's upside. Mm. But yeah, with, 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 silence for with Abba, like, I feel like he's very much like a, t a proper team player. But um, yeah, he's looked, he's looked weak in, in the individual matchups. I will say that. Um, and though XL's bot lane has looked vastly improved from obviously spring and winter where it was a fucking disaster. I do think, as Peter said, like if Hilly is unleashed, I mean, the support diff is pretty large, I would say. Um, and then the AD carries is kind of a wash, but nowadays, you know, it's more bots than just like AD diff. So I don't know. I feel like obviously if Mad, again, I think it's one of these situations where it's like if Mad show up and they are, you know, playing to in the top sort of 20th percentile or better of what they're capable of, yeah, they'll win. But I do caveat that with I don't expect everything just to switch because it's playoffs. I think some of it will. I think El Yoya will be back to playing looking more like El Yoya. But I do really worry about Chasey and I am a little bit worried about Niski. Because for Chasey, it's basically been, you've seen a graph almost where he came in like this and then like peaked in playoffs, especially like against that series against Photon. He was awesome. And then it has just been like a straight line downwards, basically. So we'll we'll see what, what happens from that point. But um, I think this is closer than than uh, a lot of people might think. What do you think, Kira? Like, where, where do you think? Uh, who do really you think worried about favorite? Mad Lions. Right, I actually went and counted how many games like Carve brought back from the Abyss. Right, they wouldn't be in playoffs if they had any other ADC that wasn't Carve. They would have not won. They would not be here. I'm not joking. They they were playing some fucking unbelievably shit League of Legends. It literally was like a fucking Aphelios like quadra kill bot play that they even the I can't remember what team it was had to fuck up as well. And Carve like managed to get a quadra kill and they carry it from there. Like. I think that was Vitalia happened to actually. But anyway, um, they did also was... throw some games in winning positions, so it goes both yeah. ways. No, but that's but not it doesn't go both ways because the problem is, is uh, a, people like a lawyer have like massive like leads in some games, right? Uh, like there's the Wukong game where he was up like four kills or something, 
And for the first time ever, I'm looking at a lawyer and I'm like, he doesn't, he's not moving his advantage around the map. He's not bringing his advantage to bear on the map. He actually looks lost. Like, Chasey had an advantage from laying that game, right? But I know Chasey's, like, bad and doesn't know what he's doing and, like, isn't going to, like, pressure it. Like, I, that's what I think, Peter. I can see he's squinting, but I always think this guy's an, a, is an absolute fucking trollfester player sometimes. And, like, I got basically told a while ago, that Chase is one of these players, right, that was going to either, like, win Mad Lions, like, a lot of games, he's going to lose Mad Lions a lot of games by, like, being really aggressive with, like, leads and stuff like that. And I, I basically just don't see... That player, on stage anyway, has not, like, translated to be there. He looks very reliant on, like, people like Aloya and Niski and that to generate his leads for him independent. Or I do actually co-sign this, by the way, in that if anyone who watched Chasey on X7... I'd like, I will say these people weren't chatting shit. It was based on actual games, no. you know, but he he does not play anything like how he played in X7. Like even the games when he's doing well, as you say, it's usually like him and the jungler just get control of topside and then, you know, it, it snowball that or whatever. None of this like super dominant laning stuff. People thought that, you know, when Photon came in and Chasey came in in the same split, people are, oh, we're going to have some aggressive like top lane laning finally and photon absolutely did that right but chasey just didn't at all like he actually played well like in his first was it his first split or second split anyway either way he he actually has had periods where he played well but it's really weird to me that yeah the prince that was promised is not the same prince you know this is his his fucking so, inbred and, and cousin but like uh, it's the most like, one of the perplexing things because basically a lawyer's a player that i think of as like I think Howe's like a lawyer is one of the, like the best jugglers in the, the league, and I could never imagine a form of like a lawyer where like he was like this like bad or like this poor at like understanding like uh, like leads like moving advantages on the map or like generating gold leads independent of like teams or like dragon cell like. It'd be very underwhelming this season. Not to say that Aloya like can't be, because last split when he was really good in playoffs, his regular season period wasn't all that great either. But do you not give him like the kind of uh, do you not give him like the Yankos benefit of the doubt kind of thing, where he's like that just that tier of jungler that you just trust him? Like for me, that I, maybe that's not based on too much logic, but I I trust I trust, trust Aloya. Well, okay, I'll say players like Oddo, like Yankos. Um, who else? I get like Bretch was cats and he betrayed me, right? That's <laughs> well, what I'm saying. Playoffs, human, yeah, yeah. And Hillisang actually were going to this as well. It's like you know, mm. there'll be periods where people shit on them and say they're washed, think... whatever, but they always come back, you know. Like with El Yo Yo, I think he's that transcending, uh, tra transcendent, uh, as a historical EU jungler that it's not been that long that he's been playing shit. Let's be real. It's been a few best no, of ones. I don't understand like... it, but what, what I'm saying is, is like, it's a big thing to like hope for that like, mate, that the, the lead he had in that Wukong game was like, what huge, right? Him and Chasey like had to find creative ways to lose that game. Like that was, that was really, really like special that like that game. And there was like lots of them. I'm, I am not as high. I'm always low on Mad Lions. Even when I'm high on them, but I, I really not sure. I think they'll have way better prep going into this series, and mm. most likely they'll beat XL. I pray that they do beat XL because if they don't beat XL, that is a terrible indictment. But Mad Lions, your best team in Europe, that's the worst indictment of Europe. If XL's then beating Mad Lions, that's even fucking worse, man. Like that's even a worse indictment of Europe. That's all I've got to say on that matter. Well, I mean, 
I've got to think carefully about what, if I want to say this next point. I'll, I'll just say the next point, right? Like, I mean, you know, <laughs> Chasey was 1.69 in week three. Evie was 1.18.17. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, I, I'm agreeing with you. I think this guy is trash. I think he's terrible. I don't think he's trash. Like, I think he was, like, I, no, I don't no, think Chasey's going to be trying to Say it with chest, Peter. So tell us how you really feel. <laughs> we know. Uh, Okay, so, so, so joking aside, right? Like, I think Chasey will be fighting come playoffs. I think Mad Lions are a team that prep really, really well. Um, I think they're, the way that they prep for individual teams, the way that they target teams, this may sound really stupid, but, like, they don't have an eco when they're prepping for a team, right? Like, no other team in Europe banned Darius Olafin to Adam, right? Like, I mean, it's so obvious. Anyone can see it's obvious, but, you know, people, people will have an ego and say, oh, don't worry, I can handle it, and then they lose, and then it's all awful, right? So, so one thing I will say about MAD is that they're very direct, they're very clear about what their strengths and weaknesses are, and they, like, that helps a lot in prep, because sometimes when you're on a team, players will just be like, oh, just give it, it doesn't matter, you know, give Abedaga his here. Like, there's no way Mad Lions are giving Abedaga his right? Like, we all know that, right? So the... Um, so, so I think that that's something Mad have in their favor. Um, I think also that, uh, yeah, uh, Eloria, you know, when I was saying Eloria didn't deserve first team all pro last split, I don't mean Eloria was shit last split, Eloria was insane last split. I just no, it was, she, it was really, she really was just actually Yeah, but, but it was, it, there was inconsistency in her form. Like, Eloria did like ramp up like last split, like regular season was very thingy. And then he became nuts. Remember, Aloya's like really good playoff performance was a yeah. reckless flash away from not existing. Of course, of course. And like a tiebreaker against us, right? I'm not yeah, saying we yeah. yeah, exactly. right? but... that's what I'm saying. Like it's so it's really um... easy to say that like oh Mad Lions can ramp up. Well they technically they didn't really ramp up in time because like the Fnatic game was fucking ear screechingly close. So they've got to watch with how uh, when they turn this car engine on because you don't want it to be fucking the last trucker left at the pit stop, you know? But they have done it to split in them, right? Like so, so I mean you're yeah, you give the to me, I give Mad Lions the benefit of the doubt simply because they've done this two splits in a row. Like this is generally how like how um how they're different. The, the, the Mad Lions used to be the regular season team, right? That couldn't do yeah. anything in playoffs, right? And we're even losing they, they couldn't even win for me one game against any at Worlds, right? Never in mind ten, right? And these guys now fuck about and then they find out everyone else finds out in playoffs like how did they go from being one set of extremes to the other what what is going on at mad lions well to be fair it's happened the right way around right and i, I can imagine that a team <laughs> stops prioritizing regular i mean this happened to be fair this also a similar ish arc not anywhere near as extreme happened with g2 right like the the g2 teams that won however many splits out of how i think it was like six out of eight or seven out of nine whatever it was they were not first in regular season most of those splits they were like it got to the oh, point no, where they were dead, just just doing enough to get in because you wanted to really switch i mean grav sp speaks about it all the time right that he's like i know that if i try and squeeze too much juice out of them now there won't be enough or what i want to see from them come playoffs you know so i think mad like I, I will say that Mad doesn't quite look like a team that's doing that because, you know, that might be Wonder playing Soraka or something. Like that. It was a bit more obvious in the sort of the G2 era. But I would also say that, you know, Peter kind of needs to believe that people like Chasey will become good because Ebby's his top laner. So if he can't believe it for Chasey, how's he going to justify it for Ebby? So, you know, there, there we go. Anyway. Uh... I will say the final point I want to make this, though, is I think it's a really interesting... Um 
situation we have in like uh, in Europe right now, right, where the the two best teams are coached by Dylan and Mac. Um, because let's be clear, right? Like Dylan, the the way that Dylan coaches nowadays is he keeps G2 on quite a tight leash. They don't like we how that for this. Flacken and Yankos before our game against G2 made a room called any Yone Yasuo 2v2 takers. And they sat in that room for like two minutes, like waving at the G2 guys, and not one of them came and took it. Uh, and then they just played Yone Yasuo 1v1 and, uh, against themselves, right? But like for a game, like let's put it this way a game mattered a little bit, but it didn't matter like a huge amount, right? And it's really clear that they they were full on focus. The way that G2 scrim, even when they like qualify for the next round, is they they like push push as hard as they possibly can. And I think that's interesting, right? Like it's in, it will. I think it's interesting to have multiple different styles, multiple different philosophies. And um, yeah, I mean, the fact that so many that teams in Europe can be successful with different styles is is interesting. Right? That's what I would say. So yeah, let, let's just finally talk a, a little bit about that, or more specifically about, let's pretend that none of your these other teams exist, heretics don't exist, so I don't want to hear any, you know, maybe we'll win the split. Don't want to hear any of that. I just want to purely focus, not on their games, but on the, uh, specifically, Fnatic versus D G2 when it comes to, um, well, strength of team, just to put it very simply. Uh, obviously, Fnatic have ramped up massively since, you know, last split. Um, looks really good uh generally speaking like peter how good a team do you think Fnatic are and for example if they were to play g2 in an lec final do you think that's like a legitimately exciting matchup or do you think that there is actually a pretty large gulf there uh on 13 11 it would be exciting on 13 13 again i don't know the meta on 13 13 but if the meta is a melee meta g2 win you do a bit of butcher, butcher them. Yeah. On 13-11, I think it's really interesting, right? Because the way, the way, like, you know... affects the game. Yeah, the way that Trimby impacts the game when he's on Rage Champions, he's really good on Rage Champions. Like, yeah. I mean, like, international level good. Like, you know, up there one with One of the, the best Nami players, like, one of the mm. best um, so, players as well. I think it's interesting. We'll see what the meta is, you know. I, I'm not saying Trimby can't play Rakan. Like, Trimby can play Rakan, he can play Nautilus, he can play them, right? But it's not... I wouldn't say he's, like top five Korean level, right? Whereas I think if you put him on a Nami, you put him on a Karma or something like this, he is that good. Um, so so we'll see. Uh, I think, again, meta could just be, it could just be range, right? Maybe maybe we go down to Janna or something, right? Or Tarek or something, I, I don't know, right? But, the, but, uh, but as it is now, I think you two should be considered favorites. Um, and... What do you think? What do you think of the uh, the, the mid jungle dynamic though? Because obviously, you know, Razork Humanoid is not a new thing. In fact, it's been pretty disastrous as a combo at least for for however long. Even if both players obviously individually had great strengths, now uh, for whatever reason, obviously I would suspect bot lane has a lot to do with this. Um, it seems much more enabled, and I would argue that even though they've looked really good just in recent times, Yike. I think has ha had an exceptional rookie season, but not quite the level of impact he had in winter, for example. And Caps, to me, has not looked fully like Caps, um, well, recently uh, in in general. So do you think that Fnatic has actually an advantage in like the mid-jungle at this point in that matchup? Or how, how do you see that? Okay, so I'm going to read out Mickey what Mickey has played this split, okay? Nami, Nami. Emilio, Lulu, boom, 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 Emilio. Okay? That's that's what he's played this play. No Nautilus games, 
no Thresh games, no Rakan games, nothing, right? That's just all he's played this split, and G2 still went 8-1, right? So... Uh, Brom helps. I mean, sure, they played... But being, playing... being the only people that can pilot Cogmo does help, even independent of Mickey, how well Mickey plays. Yeah, but but the reason why why I'm saying it matters for, for this kind of thing is that those champions really don't want to move to mid and cap mid, right? Like, I've had I've seen games where Mickey will literally just sit mid. He will just, like, he'll be on Nautilus, and he will just... He knows the times, he knows how to be efficient in when he's moving mid, and... The way like Mickey has been insane. When Mickey was insane in winter, he just had it was impossible to play the game, right? Like he he just had full control, full vision setups, like everything. Like it, it was. And when you are playing Mami, Lulu, Braum every single game, yes, you do scale, right? And G two have outscaled teams well, but it's the reason why I think Yiken caps look worse is because of what um, is because of what. Mickey's been playing, and frankly, if they can still win playing those champions, then I think it's it makes them very scary going to playoffs. But obviously, we'll we'll see what the matter is. We don't know what the matter. Yeah, I mean, what what do you think, Kira? And again, specifically on that, I think um, we probably are all in agreement that even though Fnatic's bot lane looks really good, obviously it's at its best when Trimby can play Trimby champs. What what but what do you think of this mid jungle matchup? Like if you were starting a team from scratch at this point, would you now opt into Razork Humanoid? As crazy as that might have sounded uh, a split nope. ago. No? no? No, like I still like I, I would still pick caps. Um uh but it's like it's quite close. Um I maybe even like, but let me uh, let me ask you, you this because I think there's a slight double standard going on here, just a little bit because it's not. Admittedly, it's been nowhere near as extreme as like the drop off of El Yoya again. But that situation is like very small sample size for a player who's basically been either the best or second best jungler in Europe for however long they've been in the league, right? And then we've got Caps, who has always been good, of course, usually very good. More recently, I would say not quite so good, but not for good. a much longer period of time paired with a rookie yet it seems like you're more willing to give him the benefit of the doubt even though the sample size of him not being s tier is much bigger i would say the reason i'm that i would pick if i was starting with like cap yike is just because i i think i actually like was kept like yike just independent of that body of work full split um has as like results in like more wins independent of like other things like Caps was barely involved, apart from pressure, like pressuring on packs with like the bot dives of like Winter with the Draven and stuff. Like it was surplus to requirement at points. But uh, I think Razork right now is doing probably is of any jungler is probably doing the best jungling any like any player has done all year in my opinion. He's doing like what you'd call like total jungling, like basically playing all three lanes. Um, like, even the game he lost against G2, he's, like, on Vago. He blows every laner's flash and almost gets, like, a double kill bot and it's only Myth stopped because Trimby doesn't hit a bubble and then he almost gets a kill mid because uh, Humanoid doesn't hit the root on Nico and it's not even eight minutes. Like, that's... That's insane. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm confused. Who would you say is having a better split right now? Sort of one word answer. Razzle. 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 Yeah, ra and who is having a better split? Humanoid or Caps? 
Uh, not a lot in it. Caps has been pretty good this split. I think humanoid. I, w I would argue that both. I would argue that both the jungler and the mid are playing better, and that G two is getting. Uh, uh, like humanoid's been like good, but like Caps was like Caps has been pretty good this split. But it depends. Like it depends on like, what like what question you're asking. What question you're asking? Maybe I misunderstood it. Are you talking about? I'm like picking the players they are today going forward. I'm get well. Yeah. I, I'll I'll just make it simple and, and um, yeah. circle it back more to what I was also asking Peter. Like, does does the current mid jungle form of Fnatic give you a reason to think that they have a good chance in a matchup against G two? Because it doesn't actually entertain to how much G two how G two likes to win the game. Yeah, like, no, fair, really fair enough. Not. Then then no, no would be would be the would be but the it, answer. No, but, it, but it's really important for. It's really important for um for Fnatic. You see, like the team priorities are completely different. You see what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah, why it's no, like absolutely. A, yeah. So like it's super important, like that humanoid has like mid game like agency or like a, and Razork like uses like humanoid pressure. I think um rather it isn't so much for G two, but that's just how I think about it. Um, I I'll, I'll just I can summarize this in one sentence. I know I I'm kind of repeating myself, but if it's two v two meta. It's Fnatic favored. If it's three v three meta, sorry, two v two mid. If it's three v three mid with supports, then it's um, G two favored, in my opinion. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, just before we go, guys, I am assuming that neither of you are picking uh, upsets in the other two series, which is obviously Fnatic versus. No, but I do think SK. Koi, by the way, is a bit of a terror matchup uh, for G two. Just so you know. Really. Interesting. Yeah, because Larson makes Yike have to care about mids. Mm. Larson's like one of the players that like Larson is like one of the players that does cause caps a lot of problems and has done for like quite a while. That you make the difference in like mid lane like stature whilst taking very little risks on and on himself has actually caused like G two a lot of frustrations. Yeah, my but issue with sorry, go sorry. on, Peter. I'll say that for the Koi matchup, it is possible that Koi will win game one. Um, I think that it is. Very hard to imagine SK winning game one against Fnatic. Yeah. But I think G2 might just give Koi everything they want. I think Koi, like the swap is obviously awful for Koi, and like they're not the team that they were last split, uh, especially through bot. But the, let's say Koi win game one because because G2 decide to ego them in draft. Like, it's not impossible that you get a throw right in game two or three, even if you think G2 are massively favored, right? That's like, the point. I think it's way more, yeah. Like, I, I mean, the question is, if, if you had to bet on SK or Koi, you would take Koi every time. Oh, right? yeah. Yes, sure. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, my, my, issue before, with, by the uh, way. my issue with Koi is not only the downgrades that they made, um, but that in doing the downgrades, they also basically lost any semblance of shot calling. Like, there's no, no, Larson, it, I mean, so yes. for people who don't remember, Larson was actually on H2K for a bit uh, back in the day. And of course, people change, they develop, whatever. I'm not saying he's a mute in the mid lane, but he is a classic archetypal mid lane player and that he is very interested and centric on his own lane and what's going on there. I think that's one of the reasons why it took him so long to even understand how side lanes work, which obviously now he's quite a bit better at, but still not one of the better players in Europe, I would say, at playing sides. And then, um, yeah, I mean, AD carries are a comp is an AD carry. These guys typically care about ADC things. 
And basically, from my understanding, most of the shot calling was coming from support and top lane, who are obviously no longer there. So that is why in long series play, especially obviously in best of fives rather than best of threes, I think Koi basically has no chance against a G2 or Fnatic. Um, But yeah, as Peter said, if I was to bet on one of those two being an upset, it would certainly be the Koi one just purely on player power. And if I'm being honest, basically because of Larson, essentially, as Akira said. Um, but okay, awesome. So we're going to leave it there, guys. Thank you all so much for watching. Thanks to Peter, of course, for joining us. Uh, I think if you'll compare this to uh, Steel's, uh, sorry, Seal's appearance, you know, got some much more interesting answers. And the, uh, you know, lesson to take from that isn't that Peter is more interesting than Seal. It's that my talk show is just better than anything Thorin does. So as long as you all understand that, we're good to go. So thank you all for watching and uh, see you next time. See you.